Tell that person God is set to bless me today. God is set to bless me today. Make sure you are greeting people. Make sure at least you've greeted four before you sit down. Hallelujah. Praise the living Jesus. Praise the living Jesus. Can we have a seat in God's presence as we pray? Eternal Rock of Ages, we want to thank you for how you've helped us during the week. Thank you for your dealings. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for the safety you grant to those that enter one vehicle or that move from one place to the another. Thank you for providing for our food. Thank you for the water we drank. Father, we say be thou glorified in the name of the Lord Jesus. We thank you because we slept and we woke up because you, the Lord God of heaven, preserve us. We say be thou glorified in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we ask that as we go into your word this morning, you will speak to us again. That the entrance of your word into our lives this morning will grant us understanding. That it will grant us revelation and knowledge of your word and insight into your word in the name of Jesus. Thank you, faithful God. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Can we put hands together for God? Hallelujah. Let's open our Bible to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. I will be teaching this morning on a choosing generation. A what? A choosing generation. Hallelujah. Let's open our Bibles to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. If your neighbor did not have one, please kindly share with your neighbor. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 to 2. Are we all there? Let's read together. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Hallelujah. So let's now go to First Peter again, chapter 2, verse 9 to 10. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 to 10. Are we there? So can we go? But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a unholy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which have obtained mercy, which have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Praise God. This is something, you know, there is something special about our generation, and it is that God was intentional in his dealing with us. What separates our generation from every other generation is that God was intentional in his dealing with us. Praise God. In the generations of Abraham, the patriarch of faith, it is what you do to me as a God determines what I will do to you. Praise God. But in our own generation, it is no longer what we do to God that decides what God will do to us. It is not God trying to be good to us even when we are not good to Him. Praise God. 
What does it mean to be elected or chosen according to the foreknowledge of God? When you see the word, you know the two chapters of the Bible we read this morning talks about foreknowledge of God, foreknowledge of God. It means you are not a mistake or coincidence. God's initial trust is a predetermined decision. It is a prearrangement. A forethought action. God already understands that this is what I will do for these people. I was reading a book from our, one of the giants in the kingdom, Bishop Francois Leoke, The Precious Blood of Jesus, yesterday. And he was telling us that the provision for Jesus' blood was made from the Guardian of Eden. When God was sending Adam and Eve away from the garden, He already told them that a day will come, I will no longer relate with you based on your doing. And as He told them, He said, Look, this serpent will bruise your head. Well, your leg, rather. But He said, Your son will come. And what will your son do? Your son will bruise his head. So, from the garden of Eden... There was a predetermined arrangement for our generation. That it is no longer going to be our strength or our doings or our deeds that will make God to determine what He's going to do to us. But it's what? But His doings and His deeds. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 to 5. Said then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou came as forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Praise God. Can you see that? What makes Jeremiah to be a prophet? It's not because he can speak in tongues. It is not because he was even born again then, but there was a predetermined arrangement for his destiny as a prophet in the land. This is not an excuse for us to live in sin, but for us to understand that it is not our level of righteousness that makes God to do whatever he wants to do for us. He is God and no man can bribe him by spiritual gymnastics. You cannot bribe God by fasting and prayer. You cannot bribe God by saying the sinner's prayer. And saying, now God, you see, I've said the sinner, I've taken the sinner's prayer, so pardon me and let's begin to roll. No! He loves you, he only has disease in your life. Praise God! And that this is not just for the calling of prophet Jeremiah alone. It is also true about us that before we came into the world, the Lord already determined what will happen to us day by day, month by month, from our beginning to our end. But that first Peter chapter 2 now begins to talk about our identity in this world we have. The number one thing he mentioned said, we are a choosing generation. Who choose us? God choose us. Praise the Lord. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and what? And every lady, I will grant you rest. Praise God. He said, many are called, but few are choosing. 
What made God to choose the few is known to God. But we are very sure that we are part of the one that God chooses. The word generation means kindred, offspring, family, stock, tribe, nationality, a descent of a particular people. The aggregate of many individuals of the same nation, kind, and attitude. We are not just chosen by God, an act of His divine will. We have been chosen to be part of God's family. Praise God. And there should what? To create an excitement in us. Every day we remember that. We are choose to be part of His family. And I have come from the Yoruba lineage. But when you begin to trace my lineage, I came directly from God. My father might have been a terrible sinner. But by the reason of salvation, I now belong to the family of God. He said, He has chosen us for this time and place and for a particular purpose. Why did He choose us that we may show forth His praise? By implication, we are God's favorite. By implication, we are what? We are favorite. He has slayer in us. He delights in us. When God sees us before he throws his happy, he says, This my son has come again. When he sees us waving our holy hands, say, Yes, this is the person I have been looking for. No one I talked about Jesus said, This is my what? My son in whom I am well pleased. By the reason of the blood of Jesus, the same voice can still speak upon our lives, if only we believe in the faithfulness of God. The Bible also talks about that we are royal priesthood. God's purpose for every believer is to be a priest. What is the role of a priest? A priest stands before God, offering sacrifice to God. We may not be able to kill animals again, but we are now offering the sacrifice of our lips the sacrifice of our heart, the sacrifice of our trial, our talent, our gifts. We are now saying whatever God, God gave to us become a sacrifice at the altar to Him. We are now saying we are ready to lay all at the altar for sacrifice. Say God has chosen us to minister before His holy altar for eternity, forever, beginning now. As a priest, our role will not end here on earth. We are going to stand before the altar forever to eternity. Whatever we are doing now is a preamble of what is obtainable in heaven. We must understand that if we are faithful in our priestly role here on earth, we are also going to be a priest when we get to heaven. Of course, the book of Revelation tells us about the 24 elders. What do they do? They are worshipping Him. They are not. And that is the role we are going to also take when we get to heaven. And for that purpose, He has adopted us into His own royal bloodline. The blood of Jesus now flows in us. They might tell you you have a genotype, you have a blood group. 
But the fact is this, is the blood of Jesus that flows in you. That is the reason no scientist can create or produce blood. All they have succeeded in doing is to move blood from one man to another man. They cannot reproduce blood. There is no medical laboratory, no medical professor, even when you are a meritorious professor that can manufacture blood. Because of why? Because this is the element of God in our lives. And nobody can create that. They might have succeeded in creating plastic face, plastic hair, plastic nose. They might have even had plastic legs and hands. But they cannot have plastic blood. Because the Bible says that the life of a thing is in his blood. So if the life of Christ flows through me, it means it is the blood of Christ that flows through me. Praise God. Say, so you bear his royal blood. And his royal blood is not just cleans our sin. It also becomes our royal identity. Praise the living Jesus. It also becomes our what? Our royal identity. Anytime you see a king coming to a community, nobody needs to tell you that he's a king. Because the way the king will appear, the regalia of the king will tell you that what? That he is a king. Also, if you are a son of a king, you don't need identity to tell us that you are a son of a king. Praise God. The day the Sebuari son had an accident in Abuja, do we need anybody to tell us that this is son before they know that this is son? No. Because the, the, not the presidential honor upon his father is also upon him. Likewise, Bible says we are royal priesthood. It means you may not have a crown here on earth, but spiritually there is a crown upon your head. No one apostle Paul said, I have finished the race. But now there is a crown of righteousness laid down for me in heaven. Which God we give to everybody that makes heaven. Yeah, you might see that look at this man here. All I can see is hair. But spiritually I have a crown. And the crown of God upon my head is the glory of God. What Adam and Eve lost in the garden was the glory of God. The glory of God was their covering. They were as long as the glory of God was in place. They were not in the cage. But immediately they lost the glory. What happened? They became in the cage. Likewise, the glory of God is our crown in this dispensation. Look when you look at Daniel chapter 6 that we read today. There was no crown on his head, but yet they preferred him above presidents and priests. Why? Because the president and the princes, the crown they carry belongs to this world. But when the heavenly crown, the glory of God, is upon a man, the natural and the element of this world could no longer compete with that man again. Romans chapter 8 verse 15 says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage against to fear. Again to fear rather. But ye have, ye have received the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. As a result of this royal priesthood, we now have a name to our Father in heaven. No wonder when Jesus Christ wants to teach the disciples how to pray, said, when you pray, how do you say, said, our Father who art in heaven. 
He did not even say our Redeemer. Thank God it's our Redeemer. For Jesus Christ wants them to understand another dimension of relationship with God. That truly is your creator, is your redeemer, is your all in all, but it is also your father. Like our biological father, that's why they pay our school fee. They provide our food. Do we call them our guardian? What do we still call them? You say our father. Where is your father? That is my father. But remember that that's your father is the one that still provides your needs. He's the one that clothes you. He's the one that provides accommodation for you. But he's still your what? He's still your father. We must understand by our identity that we have a direct relationship with God. Not that we should not become, you know what? Not that we should not start fearing him. Like a terrible man that can kill us. But we are even sure that when we sin against him, he is still our father. Praise God. When we even go against his instruction, he is still our father. No matter what happens in this world, your father is your father. Even the way he says, as from today I am no longer your father. The world still knows that this is your father. Praise God. He might tell you, don't come to my house again. But people around know that this is your father. Likewise, the fatherhood of God is irreversible. Praise God. What I tell you? The fatherhood of God is irreversible. Even when you sin and you come short of his glory, he makes a provision for the blood of Jesus to cleanse you. Because you understand that I will forever be his father. Praise God. The Bible also says we are only nation. We are not just cleansed, redeemed. We are also holy. Because as our Father in heaven is holy, so we are. Praise God. God is holy, I am holy. The world might see pitiness in me because I am still work in progress. But I know that a day says, as he is, so we are. So people might say, you this fornicator, you this adulterer, you this ayakila, you this kidnapper, because that is what they can see. But, you know, immediately I make a shift from the world, and I came to his kingdom. Those descriptions of the world no longer matter. What matters is what God calls me. He said, from the moment we receive Jesus, we become sons and daughters of the kingdom. We are now holy. We have a mandate to raise godly family for God. That is the reason I will always say this and I will keep saying it. Irrespective of your present life or your past living, if you come to this church, you are always acceptable. Because the mandate of the church is not to send the sinners away but to accept the sinners and transform them to saints. We have the mandate as a church to raise godly people who will go back to the world, that will become a good husband, that raise godly family, that will become a good wife, that raise godly daughters of God. Our salvation did not end in the church. By extension of this holiness, our children that come through our noise and our wombs must also be holy unto God. 
Our children must be able to stand on the sheet. And they say, truly, these ones are serving the living God. We have a mandate to make sure that the children that came to us are godly and only unto the Lord. We have the mandate to ensure that our children develop a relationship with God. That our children are not just serving God based on what we, the parents, tell them. But they are serving God based on what they see and what they know about God. Most of us are sure to know our problem today. The reason we don't have any God because we are serving the God that our parents told us about. We are serving the God that they say on Sunday you must go to church and serve God. You don't even know who that God is. So you believe that it is a protocol, it is a ritual rite that on Sunday let me appear before God. But the way we move from by, by, by the dimension of what my parents tell me about him to the dimension of what I know about him, I become his friend. He becomes my friend. And we now desire to see each other every day. Of course, the Bible also tells us that we are peculiar people. We are people that are preserved, possess and obtain into, unto and towards for or among the purpose of God. Peculiar people are people that are set apart for the purpose of God. That is the reason why people are saying there is calamity in the land. If you are really peculiar, you say, it's my key thousands, it's my key hundreds, it can't come around me. Because I cannot be existing in the purpose of God and the purpose of Satan will also exist at the same time. Bible says, I have come that they might have life and life in abundance. He said, the number of their days shall be fulfilled. You are not hearing that there is calamity. The people are dying. You are not saying, I don't know when it's going to be my turn. That is not for the peculiar people. We are separated and set apart. Look at the children of Israel in the land of Egypt. Because by the reason of the blood that they put on their doppels, they became peculiar. When the angel of death was moving around, killing the firstborn of the Egyptians, he dare not enter into the house. Why? Because they are set apart for a reason. They are set apart for God. There is a reason we are on this part of eternity. And nothing can stop us until we have fulfilled that reason. If God has told you that I'm going to use you till your, you get to your old age, you are going to fulfill kingdom potential. And sickness starts ravaging your body at the age of 30. You know that that is the plan of Satan, that you cannot die now. If God has told you, by social year, I'm going to establish you, and you're about to get to that year, and Satan comes and shows up and says, I want to stop you. You understand that that is not the purpose of God. Satan is just making a silly mistake. Praise God. Say the word, people, implies the tribe which we have talked about today. Now, for all this thing, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 to 2, 2 Peter. First Peter chapter 2, right, 9 to 10, reveals and reinforces our identity in Christ. And I will quickly go over those identities again. He said, number one, we are a choosing generation. Number two, we are a royal priesthood. Number three, we are a holy nation. And number four, we are what? We are peculiar people. Why do we have all this identity? Why do we have all this identity? Number one, so that we can show forth the praise of God. Number two, so that we can show forth the excellencies of God. Number three, so 
that we can proclaim the excellencies of this God. So that we can publish His good doings. So that people can through us see the light. We are the extension of His kingdom here on earth. He is not just grant us his identity because he wants us to sit on the chair and begin to say we are not the champion. No, that is not the reason. The reason for every of this identity is that we can be, begin to attract people into his kingdom. No, what Bible says, let your life so shine before men that they may glorify your Father which is in heaven. As a student in your department, you have this identity so that you can attract many to his kingdom. If you are working, you have this idea that your co-workers can come into the kingdom. You said, I am just in my family, I don't have a work. And not everybody in your family are redeemed. You have this idea so you can attract them into the kingdom. And quickly, what is the attitude of choosing generation? People that are choose, what should be our attitude? How should we live our life? Number one, we must be proactive. Proactive simply means acting before you are being acted upon. Proactive simply means knowing what to do before anybody tells you what to do. Proactive simply means you know the next step without anybody telling you that this is the next step. Many left life to happen to them instead of them to determine what happened to them in life. There are many people in this chosen generation that by mistakenly losing our identity, we now allow, allow life to happen to us. That is not the plan of God. Life shouldn't happen to us. We are to determine what happened to us in life. We don't ask them, how did this happen? We say, I don't know. I just know it happened. No! You are to make it happen. John chapter 4 verse 17 says, Therefore to him that went to do good, and do it is not, so him it is sin. You must get to a stage that you know the good things you should do next. School is on break now. What are you doing to your life again? I don't you just allow life to happen to you. We are on strike. You know what I mean? Two months. Over. For that two months, life has, if you have not done anything reasonable with your life, it means life has just happened to you. You have not determined what you want out of life. Let me tell you this fact. This is not a motivational class. But apart from what I tell you, Life don't give us what we deserve. It gives us what we demand. If you like, be a first class student. If you do not demand what you want in life, your first class should just be wasting. Wasting at all. We've read James chapter 4 verse 17. He said to him that never thought to do good and do it not. To him it is the same. Bible is full of proactive language. Matthew chapter 5 verse 16. Say, let your life so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Matthew chapter 7 verse 7 to 12. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that seek asketh, receive it. He that seeketh, find it. So him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, we give him a stone. Or if he asks a fish, we give him a serpent. If you then be evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your father wish is in heaven? Give good things to them that ask him. Say, how much more shall your father wish is in heaven? Remember the just prayer started with what I told us this. They said, our father. Whenever you have relationship of father, when you have father relationship with God, 
you will understand that he will not give me things that are bad. How many of us today, you know, there was a, maybe there is a night in your house, there is no food to eat, and your father said, let me go and look for what to eat. And when he was coming back, he passed hand and said, this is the food for you to eat. No matter how terrible, even if he's trying to go and get Gary on credit, he will still bring something you can put into your mouth. That's why the Bible says, if you have this understanding that God is your father, he will not withhold anything good from those that ask him. What have you been asking for? That is not the question. If you will not withhold it from us, then what are we now asking for? What are you asking for? Some of us, we've closed our mouths so long that God is even expecting that we should speak one day. Learn to speak. Like I said, if you are a Christian, you go out of your house in the morning without communicating with God. You've not asked anything for the day. Then the day will go anyhow. If you want your day to be full of blessing, then you ask God for blessing before you go out. Say, surely goodness and... Even if all you can say is, today God, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. You've asked something. You know, times whenever I read the Lord's prayer, I don't read it like every other person. I read it with keen interest. He said, give us this day our daily bread. And you still go on empty stomach. It means you have no bread. He now says, you ask for tomorrow food. He said, give us this day our daily bread. If we don't have a grain of rice at home then, what I should do is, God, give me today my daily bread. The daily bread, bread is meant to be eat. Bread is not meant for investment. So don't say, ah, because I took Gary today because... Uh, you know why you even sit to Gary? At least God has provided Gary for you. Now say, I went on empty stomach today because God is going to accumulate the food He wants to give me in the next five days and give me at once. No. Say, worry not about tomorrow. But give me today my daily bread. We must be proactive. We must ask God. And one of the ways we can be proactive is through prayer, which I've just mentioned. Mark 11, 24. Said, therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Your problem is your sufi. Ask God, provide for my sufi, and believe that your sufi is committed to your account. Yours is clothes. You say, I look at all these clothes, they are wears, they are torn, they've become obsolete. I can't even wear the shirt. If I'm wearing the shirt, I'm afraid that if I tie the bottle so much, it will tear at the back. Then go to God and say, God, there is a need for clothes in my life. And when you pray that prayer, believe that you shall receive it. Praise God. Number two attitude which is that we must be confident. Hebrews 13 says, So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Tell your neighbor, say, Neighbor, be confident. One of the signs that a man is not confident is when the man feels inferior. You are around your friend. They are talking. You are like this. He said, I'm, I'm resembling Jesus Christ. He shut up his mouth. He did not talk. Even he endured the death of the cross. Your friend are just him. They are talking. I you not know the talk? Ah, can you move on, son? But you saw you know the talk. Okay. We even have inferior wives at home. 
You don't like that. We don't want to call inferior wives. Dear, what do you think we should do? Let me. I think this. I said, Daddy, but you saw your girl. She was okay. Not because it is okay, but because she's afraid that what we forgot this thing, if I say my own opinion. It should be confident in life. We must be able to say that the Lord is our helper. And we shall not be afraid of whatever any man can do unto us. Our confidence is in the Lord to help us, not ourselves. The early church asked for boldness. And the Lord granted to them. Acts chapter 4 verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. I think this is the prayer our generation our generation need. Because people that are ahead of us in this race, they want to shut our mouths. The, polit- the politicians are shutting our mouths. Our leaders in businesses are shutting our mouths. Then, this is our time. Christian needs to speak to us. God. Grant us boldness. It is time we begin to take the prayer of boldness as if it is no, in fact, it is not as if because our deliverance lies in our boldness. Praise God. If you want to speak to your boss at work and you are afraid, then you need, you need boldness. And of course, we all see what is happening in the of Exodus today. I think we are at the time that the students need more boldness to come out on the street and demand for their rights. Peacefully, not destroy any property. We have no reason to fear any man. Matthew chapter 10 verse 28 says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both the soul and body here. What is happening to our student unions? What is happening to the departmental president, faculty president? You have been at home for two months. After so many of you have paid your stupid. What is happening? Who is doing the speaking? Nobody. Why? Everybody fears the governor. Bible says, Thou shalt fear no man. We must believe God as our helper. We must trust him as our helper. Psalm 46 verse 1. Say, God is our refuge. A strength. A very present end in trouble. If there is any time for us as students in Exodus to seek God as our help, it is now. Number three, which is the last thing I'm going to talk about, be humble. Don't allow this identity to enter into your head that you now become so proud of it. You must be humble. No matter the relationship you have with God, you must be humble. And that's the reason I always respect Baba Deboe for his humbleness and gentleness in the kingdom. There is nothing you do that moves this man of God. Because you understand that I have business with God, not with man. Humility prevents us from being overconfident. Because you don't say because the pastor has said we should be confident today, that you now get your confidence level to arrogance. You know, when you have extreme confidence, it becomes what? It becomes arrogance. So you must not be overconfident. Luke chapter 9 verse 48. And said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name, receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me, receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you, the same shall be great. We must be humble. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 25. 
choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. We need to be humble. What I've just done these days is to open our eyes to our identity in Christ, why Christ chose us, and what we should do if we are going to live in this reality. What is the first thing I mentioned that we should do? Number one thing is that we should be what? We should be proactive. Don't allow life to determine what happens to you. Determine what happens to you in life yourself. Don't believe that life becomes the way you want it. I you know the Bible says from the day of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God was sovereignty. Not the kingdom of God alone. The kingdom of this world has been handed over to Satan. So Satan will not allow the world to give you what is right. You are the one that will determine and decide what that would determine and demand what is right. Number two, and I thought that one of the things we how we can be proactive is to be proactive in prayer. Nothing should be too big or too small for you to talk to God about. Number two is for us to be confident. Don't lose your confidence. Trust in God as your helper and as your provider. And as all these things are happening in your life, also be humble. Don't allow your confidence to become arrogance. He said, there is nothing we have if it is God that gives everything to us. He said, every good gift is from God. No matter the level you get to in life, many of you will become industrial giants. Many of you will end up in politics. Many of you might become first lady. Many of you might become the governor himself. But please, be humble. Be what? Be humble. Don't carry the mentality that have, have arrived. You have not arrived until you make it to heaven. What I tell you? You have not arrived until you make it to heaven. Be humble. Because Solomon said, whatever we are seeing on this part of the time, he said, it is vanity upon vanity. All is vanity. If I have 10,000 house, 100 cars, if my children attend the best university in the world, Harvard University, he say it is vanity upon vanity. But what do I seek after? To end all. Entry level. So I will not just be a bus conductor. They are cost people into the bus. And when the bus is full, they close the door and say, he never said, take this, use it to eat. I will see you when I come back again. That is not the plan of God for us. We must safely arrive at our destination. And what is our destination? Heaven is our home. We must try to make it to heaven so that Satan will not beat us more. Because if you carry all this identity and you operate in all this identity on it and you do not make it to heaven. I don't know how Satan will treat such people. But I know that such people will have special care when, to get, when they get to this kingdom of Satan. But it is my prayer and my belief that we will make heaven at last. Bow down your head and speak to your God this morning. And say, God, I've heard your word. I ask the Lord God of heaven to help me to live in the reality of my identity. The Lord God of heaven, you will help me to live in the reality of my identity. That God, I ask, I'm a holy nation. As from today, I begin to live a life of holiness. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I begin to live the life of holiness. Pray for yourself and say, God, I am holy as you are holy. I am holy as you are holy. And pray for yourself and say, God, 
I pray as from today, I will be proactive. I will be confident in you. And I will also be humble. If you are in this place this morning, you have not accepted God. You are not part of the choosing generation. The choosing generation are those that have accepted the sacrifice of God on the cross of Calvary for their sin. If you are in this place, you have not accepted God as a Lord of personal Savior. This is another good opportunity for you to accept. So those that confess me here on earth, I will confess before my God, my Father in heaven. All the opportunity I given to you this morning is for you to confess God. Why don't you just raise up your hand and say, Lord, I am ready to accept you as my Lord and my servant and Savior. And pray for yourself and say, God, I confess you as my Lord and personal Savior today. I believe that you died for my sin and the blood of Jesus Christ washed me clean from all my sin. As of today, I belong to the kingdom of light and I say no to the kingdom of Satan. Father, we give you all the glory. Thank you, faithful God. We say thank you because you are faithful. We give you all the glory because there is none like you. Father, we say thank you this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed.